was it bad? What was it like working with him, working with her? You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater too. Feel your love of Broadway anew. On backstage babble. Hi. This is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. Today, I am honored to introduce our guest, Lee Wilkoff. Lee Wilkoff has appeared as Seymour in the original Little Shop of Horrors and on Broadway in original shows such as Holiday Inn, Waitress, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Democracy, and equally illustrious revivals such as She Loves Me, Kiss Me Kate, Sweet Charity, The Odd Couple, The Front Page, and more. Off-Broadway, he has appeared in the original Assassins, Underpants by Steve Martin, The Present Tense, June Moon, and more. He is also the writer and director of the movie No Pain Nudity, starring Nathan Lane, Francis Conroy, and Gabriel Byrne. I hope you enjoy the episode. How did you first get interested in theater? Oh, I always loved going to the movies, even when I was a little boy. I loved the movies. I don't think we saw much theater. I was born and raised in Canton, Ohio. So there wasn't professional theater didn't come through Canton. Uh, the first, I think, touring show I saw was, um, I was, it was Fiddler. But I was interested in it before then. The, the, the center of the world in my hometown for a number of our, us and our families was the Jewish Community Center. And I did some, uh, probably when I was about 10 or 11 or 12, now 10, 10-ish. I started doing plays. There was a there was a woman there that ran did the, the the theater there, and she recognized something in me. I was like little little chubby guy and had some personality, if you know what I mean. And uh, she put me in a couple of plays. One called Pincus the Peddler in Hanukkah Land. I played Pincus the Peddler. That was I think the first time I played a lead role. I think maybe the last time. And then I did a, a number of plays probably till I was about 12 or 13 and then I completely stopped I guess I just didn't think that it was cool or sissy-ish or something Uh, I just like no interest and in junior high and high school I don't think junior high there was anything going on but high school there was theater going on it didn't even occur to me oh even though like from afar I probably thought to myself God, I wish I was doing this, but I was just kind of a loner and didn't didn't even consider it. And then my senior year of high school, I auditioned. I finally auditioned for Mr. Roberts. And there's lots of people in it, lots of guys. And uh, I didn't get cast. And uh, somebody dropped out like a week before they started uh, performances and they came to me and asked me if I would do it. And I went, go to hell. No, I, I said, you know, you didn't cast me the first time. I was too proud to do it. So then, uh, as I said, I saw the odd, uh, odd touring show. I can't think of any other than Fiddler. But we did play the odd show tune at home. West Side Story. Uh, we had the uh, cast album for the film. 
um, you know, the hit movie uh, musicals of the day. And there weren't that many. West Side Story may be My Fair Lady. And my mother liked to sing. So there was some music in the house. Not, not enough and as far as I'm concerned. And I went to college. I went to Temple University in Philadelphia with no idea what I was going to do. Maybe social work, maybe even rabbinical school, even though it was just about, I just, you know, it was the sixties and I wanted to like deal with people and have connection with people. And that uh, didn't work out at Temple. It was just the wrong school for me. And I transferred to the University of Cincinnati my sophomore year and the end of my sophomore year, uh, I knew uh, um, my roommate's brother. I ran into him one day, he said, I'm going into the theater department. He was not, he had nothing to do with the theater. I'm auditioning for some one act plays. And I went, well, if, if, he, if he can do it, I can do it. This sounds like interesting. And I went into and I auditioned and I never left. I never left the theater department. I found my family. So the end of my sophomore year and uh, I had a, you know, I was, I was okay at it uh, for somebody that had no training. Uh, I just had a kind of, I could sing a little. Did we do musicals? Yeah, we did some musicals. I went, you know, CCM, I'm sure you're familiar with CCM, College Conservatory of Music. That was the cross the way at University of Cincinnati when I was there. I was in the theater department, which has since been absorbed into CCM, but I did one show at CCM. They brought us over, our, our theater director, he directed Three Penny Opera at CCM. And I met all these musical theater people, some yeah. of whom I'm still friends with. They're in New York, Tom Viola, do you know who Tom is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tom was in the cast, a guy named Steve Berger, who still uh, lives in New York and works. He just, he just understudied, I'm sure he went on a lot, Mr. Mushnick in that revival. So uh, there was a, a professor who I became friendly with and he, he had a girlfriend that was uh, a student, uh, forbidden, uh, inappropriate, you know, girlfriend, a student though she was a senior in college and I was friends with her and she was moving to New York and he lost his job or quit, I don't remember. And he said, uh, I'll take care of you, you come to New York. I always wanted to live in New York. Even when I was a kid, I would tell people I'm from Brooklyn, even though, and it had nothing to do with show business. I'd see, you know, the, the, uh, the Bowery Boys, do you know those movies? Yeah. I'd say uh, for Brooklyn. Now I live in Brooklyn. Uh, 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 so I always wanted to be in New York. And I went to New York and uh, I moved to New York and the journey began professional show business. So, so wow. when you were younger, did you have other actors that you looked up to as sort of? In the, uh, uh, when I was like a kid, when I'd go to the movies. Yeah. Uh, well, Marlon Brando just popped out at me, even though I didn't even realize who he was. And um, I loved Burt Lahr from The Wizard of Oz. He was like, he just was so brave and eccentric and, and, um, who else? N you know, not 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 
not particular favorites. I just love the experience of going to a movie theater and the turn the lights on and nobody's going to bother me. And almost whatever was up there, I just loved. I just got lost in the, in the going to the movies. It was really important to me. I'd get on a bus, take it for 10 cents to downtown. There were three theaters the Lowe's, the Ohio, and the Palace, and I'd go to the movies, usually with a friend or a bro one of my brothers. No, no big heroes that I can think of. I, I mean, when the first time The Wizard of Oz was on TV, it was just like astonishing to me. Yeah. And uh, I never occurred, it never, I, I never occurred to me that I was ever gonna do musicals, but I, I liked some of the musicals of The Wizard of Oz. I, I did, I, I wasn't drawn to musicals, and I'm um, still not, but uh, I like doing them. So when you came to New York, did you try to sort of make up for not having seen any theater in Ohio by seeing a lot I started of going, yes, I started going to the theater. And um, <clears throat> well, if you stand out, chorus line, I believe that's 1975, is that possible? Yeah, that, that sounds. Um, I moved to New York in '73, and then I left for a year. In '70, I left, uh, went and kind of came back home and did some stuff. Got my equity card, and came back to New York. So that was about 1975. Uh, there was a play called "Moon for the Misbegotten" oh. by uh, Eugene O'Neill that just stands out. Sweeney Todd. I don't remember any, I, I could have been in New York a while when I saw that. I don't remember what year that came out, but that, that's something very memorable for me. Uh, I, I, of course, I went to the theater. I wanted to be an actor and I wanted to go as much as I could, but that was a long time ago. And I'm going to be honest, aside from the ones that I mentioned, I'm sure I saw a lot, but those are the ones that I remember. So one of the first shows you did was Glance of a Landscape at Playwrights Horizons. Mm -hmm. So how did you get this first job? It was directed by the, 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 the professor from oh. Cincinnati. Uh, was that my first job? That was my second job, I believe. Oh. The first job he also re re recommended me, but this was, his name was Bill Shore. His name is Bill Shore. He lives somewhere in Massachusetts, and I think he acts now uh he cast me uh and uh i'm still very close with somebody uh that was in it named alan rosenberg who is one of the ex-presidents of the screen actors guild and, um that was yeah playwrights horizons i worked there when it was like scary to walk down there oh. it was a long time ago that was do you have the date that was 1975 yeah. Five, five. Yeah, it was rough, and the play was very obscure and made absolutely no sense. Um, and there was an actor in it that just took up all the time. Uh, I don't know what became of him. He just was very self-involved and indulgent, and um, it was a very peculiar play. But I made some friends, and that that that. There's two things. There's there's, there's Two things I love about when I'm in a show, particularly a play, doing it, doing acting, working on it, and also the people, uh, the other actors or crew or the director. And uh, 
as I said, I, I became friendly with somebody that I'm friends with. What year is it? That's 45 years ago. We're still friends. Um, and Playwrights Horizons has been a very significant to my career. I did that show and I did this uh, show called The Dibuk. And they used to, there's a, there's a theater in, um, in uh, Queens in the park where they had the, uh, the World's Fair. Are you familiar um, with that? You know yeah. where the Big Globe is? Is the Big Globe still there? I think it is out by the airport, Queens Theater in the park. And I did a play, Playwrights Horizons. Then I did Assassins, which we'll yeah. probably talk about. Yeah. And uh, I did a play a few years ago called The, the uh, Grand Concourse, which was, I just loved. I loved doing that play. I, it's a very special place to me, Playwrights Horizons. So that was the first time I worked there. So when you were doing this early theater in New York, were you continuing to sort of train either in acting or singing? Uh, both. I had a, uh, <laughs> I went to HB Studios. Oh. And uh, I, as soon as I got to New York, um, a friend of mine uh, who, I, who I went to school with, she knew about it. I'm not that familiar with it. And she auditioned, uh, I was in a scene with her, she auditioned to be in Uta Hagen's class. Uta Hagen of H, of Hagen Berghoff. Uh, and uh, so I became familiar with it. I, I didn't audition for Uta, I, I was too uh, intimidated, but I studied with someone that I knew from the movies named Austin Pendleton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, I studied with him for two years. And then I uh, took classes with Austin. And then about three years ago, I went back and studied with, took classes with Austin again. After oh. all these years, he still teaches there. He's uh, a wonderful actor, one of the busiest people in show business. So I, I, I studied at HB, uh, I tried out I auditioned for NYU grad school. They uh, they did not take me. Uh, <laughs> I was not I was not well trained uh, back then. And um, yes, the answer to your question is yes. I was studying uh, and voice lessons. Yes, I had. His name was Richard Hilty. He. He was convenient and lived across the street from me. I lived on 80th between Amsterdam and Columbus. It was just, just such a, it was a nightmare of a block. It was well known in New York as one of the most dangerous blocks in New York. I didn't know it at the time, but Richard lived in a nice apartment across the street. That's not why I studied with him. Somebody must have recommended him. And I think I studied with him for two years and we did this for two years. And I'm not exaggerating. I still do it every day of my life. People have told me to shut up doing it. We basically did this for two years. We never worked on songs. We did that basically for two years. It's my warm up. I still, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pushing, I'm, I'm 69 years old and I still sing pretty, pretty good. 
And I think it's because of Richard Hilty and doing that warm up or that exercise for all these years. I, I, I used to say to myself, what the hell am I doing? I'm taking classes and all we're doing is hee hee hee. And I was too shy to go, when are we gonna sing? But anyhow, so yes, I was taking voice lessons. <clears throat> and one other time I took voice lessons, they brought in somebody, with a, when we were doing Little Shop, they brought in uh, a, a woman named Marge Rivingston to work with us, uh, some voice work. El, uh, Ellen Green, I think was working with her and she got, she brought her in, but that's the only other time I've trained. I've taken acting classes over the years with other people. So one of the <coughs> next shows was The Present Tense, which you also wrote music and lyrics for. So was that something you wanted to do early on too, was write? Or I didn't really, I didn't really write it. Here's 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 how the present tense worked. Uh, they cast a bunch of us. We it was improv improv improvisation. What we would do is we'd improvise scenes, and then a uh, a, a fine writer uh, named Jeffrey Sweet would transcribe them and turn them into scenes. And we got a writing credit, but we didn't really write them. We just improvised them. Um, as far as the music, I did not write any music. Oh yeah, I did. I, I played a song on the banjo. So I got a credit for writing the music, but among other people that wrote music was uh, this guy, I can only think if I can remember his name. His name's Alan Menken um, and all sorts of writers. I, I think Alan's the only one that still works. I mean, is still in the business and he's done pretty good. Um, but I didn't, I wrote one song that I played on the banjo called Possum Pie. So that's why I got that credit. I got writing credit, even though I didn't ever put pen to, pen to paper. And, uh, and I wrote this song. So I got, I got credit for writing music. So what were some of the sketches that you performed in that show? There was a sketch I would say the two most memorable for me, there was a sketch, um, it's called Blind Date. And this woman was on the phone with her friend saying she was so excited about meeting her blind date. And I came over <clears throat> and I look kind of normal and I sit down and I go, hi. And then the, she looks at me and I go, hi. And I do that a number of times and then I pull a alligator puppet out of my pocket and he goes hi 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 then i do that for a while and then i put a what are we are we x-rated i put a penis on my nose and sat there and then i pulled out a gun <clears throat> and shot her and a flag came out and said bang now it was funnier than it sounds that was one of the sketches blind date and then i wrote a song, Elvis Presley had just died and I was playing the banjo. I had learned the banjo and I'd written some silly songs and I wrote a song called Possum Pie. We decided that I would be the next Elvis and I came out dressed as a Hasidic Jew and played this song called Possum Pie on the banjo. So when you were doing that show, you won an Obie Award. So was that encouraging to you to continue? Or was that encouraging? Very. I got an agent. I got some recognition. I got some, you know, they wrote about me in the paper. Norman Lear, 
You heard of him? Oh, yeah. Yes. He came out and he saw it <clears throat> because of the review. And I uh, was flown to California. And it really, my career took off because I got an agent and I was seen and I got recognition. And, you know, it, it, it put me out there. Yeah. And I moved to California almost immediately. Norman Lear came to see it and he flew me out for something that didn't work out. And I had an uncle that lived out near Los Angeles and uh, I wanted to be in, you know, I thought my, I thought my niche was going to be sitcoms. Oh. I thought I was kind of funny. <laughs> I'm certainly funny looking. And I went out there. I lived with my uncle. He had a deli in Oxnard, California. I'd work for him. I drive into LA for auditions. And, you know, I got some work. I actually was going to, I gave myself six months at the end of the six months. I didn't get a job and I went on the gong show. You ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah. Did the gong show. I played that song, uh, Possum Pie, dressed as a Hasidic Jew on the gong show. They hated me. I got <laughs> gonged immediately. And then a week later, I got two jobs. I got offered two pilots. Oh, wow. Uh, both of them, one was Norman Lear's show. It was a sitcom. And the other one was a kind of a serious drama about a television network. And I decided I would, I'm a serious actor. And I took that and uh, our show was the first show canceled that season. And the Norman Lear's show was canceled the next day. But I stayed and I started to get work as kind of a nerdy guy. I got on a show called Heart to Heart. It was a pretty popular show. I recurred on that. Um, I was doing episodic television, a little small roles in movies. And then I got a call from someone that I had met. The, uh, I think it was his girlfriend. Uh, somebody that I had worked with as a stage manager, his girlfriend was a casting director at the WPA theater and we were friendly and she called me and asked me if I'd be interested in uh, flying in and auditioning for a musical called Little Shop of Horrors. Oh. I was in LA. And I was familiar with it because it was a black and white movie in the 50s, maybe the 60s. I was familiar with it because it was a peculiar <clears throat> quasi horror film and I flew myself in I was going to audition for the role of the dentist oh for some reason and I went in the room I was wearing a toupee and Alan Menken who I knew from the present tense yeah. kind of giggled seeing me in a toupee and I took it off and Howard Ashman may he rest in peace he said you're not a dentist you're a Seymour and uh, I, I auditioned for Seymour, and then I got a call back, and they cast me. So I moved back and did Little Shop. So I want to ask you a little bit more about your TV and movie work in L.A. Sure. So do you, did you ever prefer that to doing stage work, or did you know that you always wanted to come back at some point? <clears throat> The more I did it, the more I didn't like it as much. Yeah. I need a lot of time. You don't get a lot of time on a sitcom. Yeah. 
you get a week. I like to rehearse. I need to rehearse. I'm slow. I'm kind of thick. So the process did not work well for me. And I did not do good work out there. Um, I wanted it to work out, but I just was not well trained or didn't have the facility for that kind of um, fast and furious. I still would love to be on a TV series because I do like, now I like it more now that I kind of know I got my footing after all these years, but I, um, a play, I love doing plays. I, I like to act, but uh, I need, I, I like the time. Uh, so plays work better for me, but I was, I was not good in everything I did out there. I was not good looking back on it. So I just didn't have the, I was not relaxed. So you were mentioning that you opted to do the drama in LA over the comedy, but what you had been doing in New York was a comedy show. So is there one that you prefer or think that you're more adept at? A good comedy role that I can sink my teeth into just like I can sink my, just as, just, I can sink my teeth into it just as well as I can with a dramatic role. So it depends on the role. Yeah. I did the Sunshine Boys a few years ago, a little bit more than a few years ago. <clears throat> it was just, it was just thrilling. It was thrilling to work on that. It has meat on the bone. <laughs> if something has, you know, if you know what I mean, meat on the bone, if it has some, if it has some heft, if it has some texture, if it has some depth, it doesn't matter if it's comedy or, I mean, uh, I like to I like to work on both. There's 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 not nothing not a lot of things more thrilling than being in a comedy and getting the laughs and being responsible or being part of the the process for having people laugh is just so wonderfully fulfilling and and technically it's a, it's not just just saying a line although sometimes just saying a line will get you a laugh but I love the process of working on both. Yeah. So but I'm thought of more, I think as a funny guy, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm thought of anymore. For a while, it's because I was nerdy and kind of goofy, then, then, but I don't know. So you were talking about Little Shop of Horrors. So as you were saying, it's based on sort of an offbeat movie. So did you yeah. think that it was a good idea at first? Pardon me? Did I think it was what? A good idea to turn- I thought it was movie. a brilliant idea. I thought it was like, oh my God, how are they gonna do this? But it's amazing about this plant that talks and eats people, a musical. Yeah. I just went, uh, did I see the script? No, I, they sent me some music. I didn't see the whole script when I was in LA before I came out, but I went, this music is wonderful and the lyrics are brilliant. And I mean, I had a feeling that this was good. This was great. Sure, it seemed great and it turned out pretty good. Great. It's very special. Yeah. The guys that wrote it 
wrote something very special. So at what point in the process did you know that it was going to be the big hit that it was? Maybe when the first audience came. <clears throat> because it was a difficult birth. I mean, it was difficult. It was a tr it was lots of so many different elements, the plant and and um, it's a new musical and working, although they didn't cut much. They cut like one song and they were worried about me till like a week before first preview. I was not doing very good work. I was just slow and kind of, I got some help from the assistant director finally. And then I married her and she's my wife and we've been married 37 years, but um. <clears throat> Connie Grappo is her name. She was Howard Ashman. She was the assistant director, but it was very difficult. It was not a, it was not a fun rehearsal period. It, oh. it was not tense. It was just difficult to, to make all the elements work. But <clears throat> clearly they worked because we had such a firm, we have a great book and it's a great book and it's a great lyrics and great music. It was just bringing all, bringing all the other elements to equal those. And uh, it went from being, I've told this story a zillion times, like a couple of weeks before I had flyers for it. I'd take them to casting people saying, you know, maybe you come see this. I could tell they didn't take it very seriously. Oh, okay, oh, fine. And then we opened and within a couple of days, people begging for tickets, oh. begging. And I'm not exaggerating. It was the hottest ticket in town. And we were in a little 99 seat theater. And it was, the people that came to see it was kind of thrilling, but it was impossible to get a ticket. Yeah. And the word of mouth just went, it was like on fire after the first or second performance. It just word of mouth must have gone around to people in the community because it was in a little theater, a little 99 seat WPA, their little black box. So <clears throat> I've always wondered, was there ever any talk about that show of it going to Broadway or was that? Yes. There was, uh, I'm not privy to all the conversations, but there were people that thought it should go to Broadway rather than off Broadway. And Howard Ashman, <clears throat> Howard Ashman wisely said no. And we went off Broadway. And then when it did go to Broadway, I don't remember what year, it didn't work. It doesn't belong in a big house like a huge house. <clears throat> Although Connie, my wife, directed it at the Muni. You know the Muni is? That's in oh, yeah. uh, St. Louis. Yeah, and that's a- 12,000 people. Yeah, I mean, she, the plant looked this big, you know, <laughs> like, a, like, the, like a pin. Um, I've done it, <clears throat> I did it at the Kennedy Center a couple years ago, was it two or three years ago? We, I played Mr. Mushnick, we did it at the Kennedy Center. And um, with the late Nick Cordero as uh, the dentist, and Megan Hilty, and uh, and that's a big house, but it was not really a full, full, full production. 
but I didn't see the Broadway production and uh, Howard was smart and I don't think it belonged on Broadway. I mean, the house we did it in uh, off Broadway, the Orpheum, that's where Stomp's been for a thousand years uh, down on the Lower East Side. It wasn't a tiny house. I don't remember how many it sat, but it was the perfect house because of the time and it was kind of grungy and it was, the show was a little grungy and, uh, but, and then I saw it, the revival and it was done in a small theater, the West Side Theater. It was the right size. It works. It was. It's an. It's a, it's, it's a small musical. It's not a big musical. You know, there's how many people? There's a chorus of three people. I've been in musicals of fifty people in the chorus. So <clears throat> that belongs on Broadway. Yeah. So, what was your relationship like with Ellen Green and the other members of the cast? Uh, my relationship with Ellen Green was uh, tricky. <laughs> and um, on stage, it was, I was in love with her. And off stage, I wasn't in love with her, but I had, a, I had an intense relationship with her. Um, and uh, Ron Taylor, may he rest in peace. He was the voice of the plant. I was close with him. And Frank Luz, the original dentist, we became very close. I got along with him and the girls, Leilani, they were great. And um, <clears throat> Marty Robinson, the plant, he was, he was great. It was, we all became very close because it was a small show and it, it, it rehearsed. It just was like, you know, it was, we, were, we were in a room, packed in a room. It wasn't a big, like, for a Broadway show, a big rehearsal space with three different rooms where people are working. It was intense. It was not, it was not a, like a laugh riot to work on. Yeah. But it was really fun to do. It was really fun to do. So as it's you... Per, it's almost perfect. I mean, it, you know, the, the better the show, the more fun it is. Yeah. You have a very firm, you have a firm ground to stand on and you don't have to worry about that. It's, I said, I enjoy doing the, the Sunshine Boys. It's because you don't have to worry about this, the words. They're so brilliant. You, do, you have to, you have other worries. You have to, you have to, you have to rise to, 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 to what's written. And Little Shop was the same way. It was very, it was just tight and it was really so beautifully written. And uh, the, whatever fat there was on it, they got rid of it before we started rehearsal. As I said, there was one song, it was my song, mostly <clears throat> my song. It was Seymour's song and, and Audrey sang it. It was uh, right before he puts Audrey in the plant, we'll have tomorrow, it was called. You know, in, you know, in the lyric, we'll have tomorrow, don't feed the plants. Well, that, that, that lyric comes from a song called, we'll have tomorrow, trust me, it's true, do, 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 do. But it stopped things. It stopped the show. And it was gone within a week. And we had, but it, the show was like, we, wouldn't, we, didn't, we weren't doing, there wasn't a lot of rewriting. It was tight when we started rehearsal. And uh, that's why it's been around so long. Yeah. So 
a lot of people now play the role of Seymour all around the country. So uh-huh. what sort of advice would you give to them about how to play it? Well, I just, you know, you don't, you don't have to play, you don't have to nerd it up, you know, you don't have mm-hmm. to, that's my advice. Just, I mean, you have to, you have to kind of go backwards and see where Seymour came from and see why he is the way he is. And he talks about it in the song, uh, in, in uh, the opening number, he was an orphan and he lived on the street and this kind of crude man took him in. And so that's, that informs a lot of who he is. And he's, he's just, un, he's unsocialized. His social skills are horrible and he doesn't have a tremendous amount of, he's not that bright, but he's intuitive and he has lots of feelings and I, you just don't go, don't, well, Howard wrote it. Howard wrote it, uh, I'm, this is, he wrote this for all of us. Don't go for the laughs. Don't go for the shtick. Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, just play it, play it real. That's, that's what I would say. It's all there. Uh, and I've seen it. I'm, I mean, I think I kind of figured it out or I got it a little and I've seen it done way better than me, but, uh, I've, and I've seen it done. Oh, nerdy. Oh, archers. And, uh, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work as well. Yeah. So when and why did you finally decide to leave the original production? <clears throat> uh, because they were going to Los Angeles, Los Angeles. There was a production and I wanted to go back to LA and, and, and let them see me as Seymour. So I did it for six months in New York. And then I was asked to do the Los Angeles production and I went back and I didn't get any promise that I'd come back and do it in New York. And I didn't want to do it, I don't think, anymore. A year was enough. I did it six months in New York, six months in Los Angeles. And then when I came and we came, I came back to New York. Um, I did it, well, it, ran five years. I did it for the next four years when somebody would take it, when Seymour would take a vacation, I was the vacation oh. cover. So I got to do it with a bunch of different women. I did it one day. I, she had a put in, but I didn't do the show with her. But I did her put in, Donna Murphy. Oh, Donna. Donna did uh, uh, Audrey a little bit. I never did it with Annie Golden. I did it with Marsha. Her name was Marsha Skaggs, but she changed it. I probably did it with about five or six. Faith Prince. Oh. Um, and then I did it. I did it. I did it in my hometown, the community theater, not the Jewish community center, but the community theater. They had a benefit. <clears throat> they asked me to come back and I played Seymour. I don't remember. My daughter was six. So I was 40. I think Audrey was 16. It wasn't cool. I mean, I was like her grandpa. Uh, I think I was older. Oh, I was older than, than Mushnick. I did it one time there, and then I did it in summer stock a few times. I did it down in Florida for the production that was supposed to come to Broadway, but they didn't bring me in. I was Mushnick. And then I played Mr. Mushnick uh, for the very last time. I'm done doing it at the Kennedy Center. And that was my 
So I, I think the first time I did it was 1982, and the last time I did it was 2017 or 18. And that's enough. So your Broadway debut was in Sweet Charity. Correct. So how did you come to be in this show? I was living in Los Angeles, and uh, they were doing a production there with no intention of going to Broadway. I don't remember the details, but I auditioned in LA. They were going to play LA and San Francisco. <clears throat> and um, Debbie Allen, do you know who Debbie is? Yeah. Debbie Allen. So we did it in BB Newworth, Michael Rupert. We did it in LA. And the director, Bob Fossey, came to see it one day. Uh, he was not, he was, he was like the supervisor. He came to see it after about a week of rehearsal and then he became the director. So he directed it in LA and we went to San Francisco and then they said, going to Broadway. So I moved back to New York yeah. and uh, that was my Broadway debut. So and that was exciting. I always, I mean, to be on Broadway, that was cool. So what was it like to be able to work with Bob Fosse as the director? I, I can't, I can't. It's hard to put into words. It just, I just, <clears throat> just loved him. He didn't give me much direction. He, he, there was, there was like, I didn't have that much to do in it. I wasn't in any number. He worked a lot with the, with the music numbers. I don't know, he kind of just let me go, but I just watched him all the time. And he just was, he was quiet. He was not, he was just, he, he was just, he'd just kind of get down on a knee and observe and not have a lot of notes. I don't remember that. I mean, he probably did for the dancers, but the actors he trusted. Um, there was one particular actor that, that didn't work out. And I think he tried to work hard with this particular actor and that was out West. Uh, this actor didn't come in with the show, excuse me, to New York, but I just loved him. And I was very shy with him and intimidated by him. And I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know if this is, I'm not a, I don't like to brag, but uh, opening night in New York, uh, he was sitting at a table. I went over to his table, shyly went over to his table. He's with this, his agent named Sam Cohen, this legendary agent. They were drinking from a bottle of scotch or bourbon. And he brought me close to him and he goes, you're a very good actor. And that was the, greatest compliment that anyone could ever, anyone has ever paid me in my entire life. Because it came from someone who I have such admiration for that I can't even describe it. And uh, I loved his movies, his movies, not all of them, but I loved uh, Lenny and uh, Cabaret is the, my favorite m musical, movie musical. It's, it's brilliant, perfect, almost. And uh, I just, I, it's one of my great gifts of my life to, to have just been around him. Yeah. So 
did you also like working with the very talented cast who you were talking about earlier? Debbie? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I liked everybody. I got along with everybody and, and I left the show. Oh, do a show because it was like a bigger part. It was called Angry Housewives. Um, and it was uh, kind of a catastrophe. Uh, and uh, it was terrible. It was a terrible experience. There was some nice people in it. And, um, but then I went right from that because I met somebody in the cast who was friends with the director uh, uh, named Jerry Zachs. And I worked with him in, I got, went right from there. I gave my notice on opening night of Angry Housewives. I said, I'm leaving in two weeks to go into rehearsal for the front page at Lincoln Center, which is my, it's my favorite place to work in New York. I've, I've, I've had the, the opportunity and the gift to work there twice. Uh, and I love working there. I love where it is. They treat you so beautifully. They don't pay you enough. But um, they, and they um, got great dressing rooms. <laughs> and I, I just loved working there. Yeah. So I got to work there. So I had a, this fun run for, a, for a, even with Angry Housewives plunked in the middle. But, but I got the front page just had, oh, what a great cast. Yeah. All these great actors, John Lithgow and Richard Thomas and Julie Haggerty and I can't, I'm not going to name everybody, but they were all, it was really fun. Trey Wilson, who passed away. It was really fun. It may, it may, it, you may be noticing it for me, it's about the cast. It's about the family. The show is of course primary, but if the cast is fun and it's just, it makes it so great. It's just, I don't know if you're going to ask about assassins, but I just had the best time on that because of oh, yeah. the cast. We just had such a good time on stage and off stage. So. So what was it like to work with Jerry Zachs on the front page who you were mentioning was the director? Uh, intimidating. He was scared of me, but uh, he knows what he wants. He's very specific. Um, it was, uh, uh, it's kind of, it was fun. Now, now working with him was not as fun as some other people, but because uh, um, I, I didn't feel like I had as much freedom, but uh, I think his his work is clean. It was very clean, and that's all I have to say. So you've done, of all the shows you've done on Broadway, maybe not most, but a lot of them have been revivals. So. Is that something you enjoy doing, revivals? Or do you prefer originals? I don't have a preference. The thing about a revival is they're not coming in and rewriting it. You know, you don't have to worry about learning new lines. And that's sometimes, as I've gotten older, not as easy as it was. But I, uh, I still, I still uh, Mark Sachs, if you're listening to this, I, I still can learn lines. Um, <clears throat> uh, 
it's just it's I don't it's it's not that I auditioned for something because it's a revival or because it's new. I mean, there's something exciting about new and people have never seen it before. But if you're in a revival that's really good, for example, Kiss Me Kate, which was like great because we had it's great material and we had a brilliant director. That's really fun. And I had the I had just the fun, fun, funnest, the funnest role. The two gangsters are just, yeah. it's all about laughs and it just was so much fun. I got the 11 o'clock number and, and that's great because it's usually a great number and it was a great number. And the choreographer I had worked with before, Kathleen Marshall, and she knew what I could and couldn't do and I can't do that much. And she she tailored it to, to my lack of skill, but... Uh, pushed me hard and the the number was was fantastic because it's just a fantastic song and then she choreographed it beautifully and and the director told us what to do that show the director basically everything I did in that show the director told me what to do whatever he told me to do I just do it if he gave me a line reading I trusted him implicitly and he understood the role better than I did. Although by the time I did it, I, you know, it opened, I understood it because of him. And uh, <clears throat> I give all credit to, to my fine performance to Michael Blakemore and Kathleen Marshall and my partner, Michael Marharan, gang, man two. I was man one, he was man two. It's so, a great show. Did you see the, you, you didn't see that when you're too young. Did you see the most recent revival? I did. I did. So they actually um, asked me to come in. They asked me to come in to something happened with man two. I played man one to play man two for a couple weeks. Oh, I don't remember why I couldn't do it or wouldn't do it, but <clears throat> I didn't do it. And it, I didn't, I didn't, I, I would have played man one. I wouldn't have had to learn a new one. Okay. Oh. So I want to ask you just one more question about doing revivals, because I know a lot of actors are different about this. So do you try to sort of see other performances of people who have done it, or do you try to not see any of those so you can do it yourself? Well, I Kiss Me Kate, I guess the only thing I guess I could have, I've seen the movie we were nothing like the gangsters in the movie, even though I love them. I love them. Uh, Keenan Wynn and uh, James Whitmore, I believe. They were just a little like, <laughs> but we were, we were just different. Um, let's see, what revivals have I done? I've done uh, Sweet Charity. I was familiar with the guy that originated Stubby K. I'm sure I saw him, but I, no, I don't try to imitate. <clears throat> I, maybe I, sh I probably should have seen some of these movies, not, not to steal from them, but to, to either be inspired or understand something better, but it just never even occurs to me. I don't, I'm certainly not going to imitate anybody. I'm not good at imitating. So when do you decide that it's time to leave a show? if I'm unhappy if I'm unhappy I try to get out of doing a show that doesn't happen too often um 
but I'm usually the first one to leave because I'm I'm restless. Um, and a few times that's been a mistake. And other times it's usually because something else came up. I don't usually, I don't leave a show if I don't have something else to do. Yeah. That's, that doesn't, that's not very smart. I mean, I, she's all grown up, but I needed to put my daughter through school. I wanted to put my daughter through school. So I stayed in jobs. I went on, I went on the road with Wicked for a long time yeah. to pay for junior and senior year of college. So I don't know. It's usually, but I'm usually, I'm usually the first to leave. I'm kind of impatient and if I'm looking around for something else and then something else may come up and I leave. Yeah. So of all the shows that you've done off Broadway, are there any that you wish had transferred? I know you were saying Little Shop should not have, but. Assassins was going to, and then they pulled the plug at the last minute. Then I saw it on Broadway some years later and it worked very wonderfully, Joe Mantello's production, but I wish that had transferred. Um, there's a couple shows that I was in, I, I, there wasn't even talk of transferring, but uh, a play called June Moon, that could have played on Broadway, I think. No, I, I, don't, I can't think of any, aside from Assassins. It would have been nice to also have done it on Broadway, but when the, they did it on Broadway, the theater held it. We did it in a small space, a tiny space in Playwrights Horizons, their old space that doesn't exist anymore. It was small. Yeah. So the next thing I actually want to ask you about is Assassins. So what was it like to be working with Stephen Sondheim on that? Just... I was, I could barely, he scared the hell out of me. Uh, he, he, I've worked with, I think, uh, two, two geniuses that I can, maybe, maybe three, but I can't think of the third one, Bob Fosse and Steve Sondheim. I, I, I say this because with, with, with Fosse, his choreography, every, every step, and every moment between steps, he knew what it was about. And Steve Sondheim with his music, every note, every pause, everything about his music is not, is not nothing arbitrary. Nothing is arbitrary. Yeah. <clears throat> he's just intimidating. He's just Stephen Sondheim. He's a god of our business. And I'm shy and backward and uh but i didn't have to sing much i had a featured song uh, another national anthem and uh when we did the album uh i i uh i he never gave me, he didn't give me notes that I can remember when we did it on stage, but when we did the album, I was not getting it. Um, and uh, he was frustrated. Everybody was, it was the first number up. So everybody was kind of tense. You know, you don't loosen up. You're, you're, you're not, you're not loose, quite loose in the morning and 
Yeah. I'm probably making excuses, but they wanted me to do listen, listen, listen. And somebody, Steve, I think came up, said, do it like Jack Nicholson. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that now because I don't, I can't do it, but it, it helped. And then I walked in the room. Steve was only in the, he, he couldn't come in the room where we were at the mics because he had broken his ankle, I think. He oh. could not, he was not ambulatory. He could not walk back and forth. And I came in the, the, um, uh, I came in the, the control room where the engineer is and Steve Sondheim said to me, well, it's, it's pretty hard for you non-singers. And I, I went, well, I didn't say it, but I said, I, I'm a singer. Anyhow, I was really upset, but I got it, but it took a long time. And I think people were frustrated. And then some years later, he came, I was in a workshop of the frogs with my, oh. with Nathan Lane. I didn't do the production, but I did the workshop and I had a song in it. And Stephen Sondheim, he was not involved in rehearsal. And he came up to me afterwards. He goes, Lee, you can sing. You sang that beautiful. You can sing. I went, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Steve. No, I don't remember what I said. Of course, I was, I was, I was, I was thrilled that he, he acknowledged after the years before saying for you non-singers. So I felt really good about that. And uh, then I got to do, I know I'm jumping ahead. I got to do a concert version of Into the Woods a couple of years ago. They did this thing at Town Hall with all, everybody in it was from Ohio, which is where I'm from. And uh, I played the mysterious man. Yeah. I mean, to get to sing his music is, is just, there's nothing like it. He's just, He's just so wise. Uh, it's it's beyond beyond ex being able to express it verbally. Um, so that was that was a gift. And one of my closest friends I met on Assassins, and we had so much fun backstage. Oh my God, we had so much fun. His name's Greg German. Anyhow, I I made some very good friends. We had so much fun. Yeah. It was not considered a success, but I thought it was great. And the they were going to do another revival. They were, I think, in rehearsal at CSC. Oh. Judy oh. Kuhn, but that Michael Cerverus, I think Michael was in it. No, Michael was in the other one. No, Michael wasn't in this revival. But they were doing another revival, and then they had to shut it down because of the yeah. COVID. But I would have gone. I, I, I do like to see it. So you were mentioning that you saw the Broadway production. Did you find that a lot had been changed between the two? Only staging. They did, a, they did staging that they were able to do because of the size of the stage. And um, <clears throat> not, that, not that we would have done the same staging, but just the whole concept. Um, no, I don't remember. No, the script and the music were the same. Yeah. Uh, it was a little wider than ours. Ours was very compact. And I thought that made it tenser. And also we opened right as one of the wars was starting, the Iraq war. And we'd pull out guns and people were freaked out anyhow. And then we'd pull out guns 
and it was just it was just timing was just real world timing was not great and uh, I think people were more relaxed when they saw the the last one but I enjoyed it very much I thought the casting was very good most of it (laughs) (laughs) so what did you think about the way that your original production was received do you think it was treated fairly by the critics or No, but I don't remember the reviews. I remember there was a review there used to be, I don't know if they still do this in the New York Times. It was traditionally, there would be a Sunday opinion. They'd write the real review and then there'd be a Sunday opinion. And our Sunday opinion, my favorite film critic was named Vincent Canby. And he wrote for years for the New York Times. And then for some reason, they moved him to theater. Not that he couldn't critique theater. And he wrote the second opinion on second opinions on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a beautiful, very positive second opinion. And it was a, our best review. And that's the review. If, if um, reviews are tricky things and they're important for the uh, community. Uh, for for audiences to see, unfortunately. So it was it was a really good review as it should have been because the show deserved a really good review and the, and people possibly read it. But that tick that show was sold out before we even opened, so it didn't matter about the audience. Yeah. So, but it is refreshing sometimes as an actor <clears throat> to be in a show that you think is special. And when people don't like it, critics don't like it, when somebody does get it the way you think that it really should be gotten, that's a really good feeling that somebody that you respect. I mean, a lot of critics, I don't, I respected Vincent Canby tremendously. So I wanted to ask you what your opinion is on reviews in general. Do you read them? Do you think they matter too much? I re- do I read them for shows that I'm in or do I read them for anything? Sure, for any sure. reason? Shows that you're in. I always say I'm not going to and I do because I have a damaged ego. <clears throat> and they've hurt me and they've made me feel good and that's ridiculous and it's just one person's opinion. I don't know. A review is something that I have very mixed feelings about, and most of them are negative and not because it's, I've gotten bad reviews because I've gotten plenty of bad reviews. That's not why I don't like them. I just think that they're given sometimes a little bit too much credence and they're just somebody's opinion. I mean, if everybody writes it, it's a piece of dreck <clears throat> that is terrible, it usually is. I was in a show a couple, uh, not a couple years ago, a while back that just everybody hated it and it was bad. I mean, there was a reason, but I I have ambivalent feelings about reviews and I have ambivalent feelings about awards because um, we're not, our business is not it's not like you're running a race. It's not like the Olympics where somebody wins. So acting, you're competing against someone. 
I just don't like it. But I have to say that when I got nominated for a Tony, it was fun. <clears throat> I knew that there was no way that I was going to win. So maybe that, because it was me and another guy, man one and man two, you could not, it would be like uh, Laurel and Hardy. You can't give an award to Laurel without Hardy. So I knew we didn't have any chance. So it, I just relaxed and enjoyed being treated nicely for a month. But then I don't watch award shows anymore. Um, I, I just don't, I, I, I have really, and my wife won't, she can't stand them. So we don't watch them. That's probably why. I don't know, I'm very torn by them. I mean, they are, I've been, I, I was at a somebody's house once watching, I think the Tonys and they went, someday I'm going to win a Tony. And I just went, uh, I hope I'm not like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't think I am. Maybe I used to be. I'm just older and I don't care as much. I mean, I love to work. I'd, ra I'd rather work than win a Tony. Yeah. <laughs> so you played Sipos in She Loves Me. Mm -hmm. I think somewhere around that time. So what was it like to do that? That was, that was, I didn't know that show. And uh, I had just moved back. We had moved back to New York for good. We had been living in Los Angeles and we moved back in 1992. My wife got into Yale drama school. I wanted to leave LA. I was just like, I'd had it. And I wasn't working much anymore. My nerd days were over. And we moved back. My wife, thank God, got into Yale drama school, which brought us back. And we lived in Connecticut. And I don't remember auditioning for She Loves Me, but I auditioned and I got it. And um, I knew Boyd Gaines, so that was really nice. And I barely knew the show. And it was just, it's such a beautiful little, yeah. little is an insult maybe, but it's such a beautiful show. Um, it's not, it's not little, it's petite kind of, it's, it's just it's like the little shop, you know, it's about, about a little shop and uh, another little shop show. And, um, it was just a great cast, another great group of people. And we did it uh, at the criteria, we did it at the, the roundabouts uh, like their big home theater. And then we moved it to Broadway uh, deservedly. It was just, it was, it was uh, Scott Ellis, lovely man and Robbie Marshall, Rob Marshall, who's now directs films. He choreographed it, his sister, Kathleen, that's where I met her. She was his assistant <clears throat> and Rob Marshall's um, choreography was exquisite. And the set was, beautiful even though as time went by pieces of it would were falling apart and um but no one knew that but the cast um, it, and I had a fun part <clears throat> and a great number and it was just I did the whole run I didn't leave that show yeah. um and uh that's just a just a lovely just a perfect little jewel 
of a musical. Uh, not a lot of people come know it. I mean, now they do because there's been revivals, but a lot of people didn't know when we did it and they came to see it and they were kind of like stunned because they didn't know it. And it's just great songs and funny. And uh, ours was just, I thought, pitch, pitch perfect. So you were playing a lot of parts at a young age that might usually be played by someone at the age you are now. So do you think that you prefer doing sort of character parts to the leading man type part that Seymour was? Well, that's a fluke that I played a leading man and that doesn't happen and it hasn't happened. I don't think again um, and I don't expect to and I'm a character actor and uh, Seymour, I, I never like, I mean, I guess he's the protagonist, so he is the lead. Um, but uh, it's like, it doesn't come along. And if, if it did, I'm happy to play a lead, <laughs> but it's not something that, that I think about. I, um, Seymour, Seymour just happened to be the guy with that the, the that had the plant, but I never thought of him as like the lead. It was such an I thought it was an ensemble. Yeah, like Kiss Me Kate. You know, it's Petruchio and uh, Kate. So those are the leads, and I'm a character guy, so I always was, and uh, I think I still am. So I want to ask you more about She Loves Me. Were Sheldon Harnick and Jerry Bach involved in the revival? Not a lot. They came around, they gave some notes. I don't think that it was encouraged, but they were not involved. I'm, sh I'm pretty sure they were at the casting. I'm, I'm sh I, I would be sure that they had a say in that, but they were not at rehearsals, no. They would. They came around, maybe, maybe during rehearsal a few times, or definitely during previews. I'd have this vision of them backstage giving a note or two, not not specifically to me. I think to the director, but I don't think they were encouraged to come. I, but I got to know. Jerry was a little bit um, more of a kind of uh, pulled back. Yeah. He was not as, and Sheldon is more of a, a just effusive, and I got to know him a little better. But they weren't around. That would have been interesting and maybe nice. But sometimes, uh, uh, like Little Shop, the director wrote it, so he was always around. I don't know if it's always, for a revival, I'm not sure that it's always encouraged that the people, if they're still around, that wrote it to be there. If it's the original production, of course they're there. They're rewriting, they're, they're involved in the process. And this was a revival and they were treated as if it was a revival. They weren't part of the daily process. So you've mentioned rewriting a few times. What are some of the shows that you've done that have had the most rewrites during process? 
Well, I did, I did do a revival, but it was, the book was rewritten. Uh, and I remember there was lots of changes and uh, the boys from Syracuse, it was a, they, uh, we had a writer on it, even though it was an old chestnut of a musical, but we had somebody that rewrote the book, Nikki Silver, and there was a lot of rewriting. You know, I don't remember a, I don't, I'm trying to think of shows that I've been in where like rewrites. No, I can't think of that many that I'm like, I, I don't remember ever being in a show where like you hear these stories that, uh, and I'm sure they're true, where people are thrown lines a half hour before the performance in preview and they have to learn the lines and go on. I don't remember ever having that. Yeah. So your next Broadway show was Kiss Me Kate. Which yeah. we're talking about. So what was it like to work with all those great people who were in it? I became very close with Marin Maisie. I loved her a lot. She was very special. Uh, Stokes, we were friends, friendly, but I didn't get I didn't get as close to him. My my the guy that played my partner, uh, Michael Mulherin, we had a we had an interesting relationship. I loved the company. But but the, my main and then there was a there was somebody that covered uh, Stokes named uh, Merwin Ford. I called him Mervin, Merwin Ford. He passed away. Uh, he he covered a lot of leading men in Broadway musicals over the years. He was always the first cover in uh, the last several years, and he and I became close, and uh, it was really fun. Uh, it was. <clears throat> it's such a it's such a joyous show and and uh the director as i said handed me i mean he 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 literally gave me my performance it was i was very stressed out by the uh at first by the number by brush up your shakespeare very stressed out i cried the first day i usually cry the first day if i have a number uh, because it's, i'm very frustrated and uh embarrassed about how how uh, spazzy I am, how uh, I don't know if that's a right word to use. If that's very nice word to use, uh, uncoordinated I can be until I relax, and then once I relax, I'm not going to be a tapper, but I can do a number, you know. But I have to be relaxed, and I'm certainly not relaxed the first day, and I cried, mm -hmm. and uh, but the number turned out good. <laughs> we worked our pushies off as they say to make that number work and that was worth it and so Kathleen Marshall was extremely patient with me oh. so Democracy was the first serious play you did on Broadway yes um, so what was the experience like of doing that all guys which is not as much fun as guys and men and women. Um, it was a nice group. Um, it was a little too serious of a play for me, um, but I wanted to be in it and it was Michael Blakemore again. I didn't, uh, <clears throat> I don't think I really understood the play and I think my performance uh, reflected that, uh, but it was a nice group and I was 
happy to be in a serious play. I don't have that much to say about it. It's, <clears throat> I have some, uh, my dressing room mate uh, ate, ate between shows very loudly. So that was not a good experience, um, even though I was fond of him. But uh, I prefer, that's why I prefer my own dressing room. Um, <laughs> so that's what came to mind. My dressing roommate's eating. Um, so that's, that's, that's all I, I got to work with Robert Prosky, the late Robert Prosky. I was like his, his, his shadow in the play. I forget my character's name, but I did, I, all my stuff was with him and he was someone that I admired a great deal. His film work, I knew him from a film called Thief. And he was a regional theater actor. He worked at the arena stage his whole career. And then he started doing some pictures and then he did Broadway. And I was uh, very, uh, I just was like, this is, this is a really great actor. And I get to just hang with him. And that was, that was the best part. I don't think he even knew my name. I think he kind I think maybe he knew my name. I mean, he, he knew me. He just, and that's not a reflection of him. He knew my name. But so, it felt like he did. <laughs> <laughs> is it something that you would want to do again to do a serious play? On oh, Broadway? sure. I've done, uh, I've done a few since then. I did uh, The Iceman Cometh uh, with Nathan Lane. Again, Nathan in Chicago. And then we did it at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. That's a very serious play. I did uh, Socrates at the Public Theater. I, yeah, I like to do serious plays. I like to do, <clears throat> just during COVID, uh, a friend of mine who's a director asked me to do a reading, not for the public. We just did a reading over Zoom of A Moon for the Misbegotten, another Eugene O'Neill play, which is quasi humorous. It's comic, but it's also very serious. And uh, I just, I loved it. I loved working on it and doing it. And we just, it was just a reading. So yes, I like to do some things where I can sink my teeth into it. So I want to ask you what it was like to work with Steve Martin in the underpants at Classic Stage Company. He's great. He was, he was, he was, not around all, he wasn't around for all the rehearsals, but when he was around, he's kind and patient. And uh, that's another play where I just didn't quite, I didn't quite get it, didn't quite get there. And I think he was a little frustrated and that made me feel bad because I knew. So that makes it a little bit less fun. Mm -hmm. um, I just didn't quite find it. But to be around him, and he's a very decent, kind guy. He's not like on all the time making jokes, although he is hilariously funny and does say and do funny, not do funny things, but he's a, he's a humorist. He's a humorist, humorist. And to be around him was I'm a big fan of his. I saw him perform at Avery Fisher Hall. I think it's called the Geffen Hall now at Lincoln Center years ago. And it was genius. And ever since then, I've loved 
him from afar. So to get to be around him and to be in his play. And I was sad and disappointed that I, uh, I think disappointed him, but, and then I ran into him at a restaurant and was shocked that he remembered me and we kibitzed and he's very nice. I, I should say just for the listeners that he wrote the play because I made it sound like he acted in it. No, he wrote it. He it, it was actually an older play, an old German play that he re he adapted it to translate it and adapted it. So I want to ask you, do you find it easier to be funny when having other funny people to play off or when you're sort of the only funny person opposite straight men? In a play or in real life? In in a play. I, uh, uh, yeah, I I want the funny people around me. <clears throat> then I, it's like a tennis match. Well, I did the uh, have oh, uh, the odd couple. You know Nathan, Brad Garrett, um, Rob. I'm not going to start with names because I'm not going to remember everybody's name, but that was really, that was great. I love ensembles. I, I prefer an ensemble to uh, a Lee Wilkoff one-man comedy show. Much rather work with other people. And the odd couple just, uh, again, Neil Simon at his peak you don't have to worry about this. The word, the, the, the script is as solid as anything you'll ever work on. Your obligation is to bring it to life and fulfill the Neil Simon's task. And uh, I work with Joe Mantello on that show. I've worked with him several times and I love him a great deal. I, he's, he know. He's, he, he's hard on me sometimes, <clears throat> but he's, uh, he's somebody that I listen to. If he tells me to do something, I do it. Sometimes I pretend with directors that I'm doing it, but I'm, I don't trust them like I trust certain, most directors. <laughs> As an actor, do you think that you've typically been able to tell when a show is going to be a hit or not? you think that you have an instinct for that? Yeah, I think, I think I do. I think I know when something stinks. Mm -hmm. um, I try to be in shows that I think are good, but I don't worry about if they're going to be a hit. I mean, I read something and if I mean, it's not that that many things are coming my way, but if, if I don't like it and I don't think it's very, that, Uh, who's who? Who am I to say? It's just my opinion. If I think it's if I if it if it if it speaks to me, uh, I'll do it. Uh, that doesn't. But I don't go. Is this going to be a hit? Yeah. No. But if I read something, I know that it's going to be crap because it's a crappy play. Well, then I'm just not going to be in it because there's nothing in it that appeals to me. Yeah. So the Steve Martin play that we were talking about was a farce. So in what ways do you think that farce is more challenging than simply doing? 
Come. Oh, well, there's a lot of physicality, a lot of physical stuff. There was one scene in the play that epitomized the farce uh, aspect. It was a scene with uh, Christine Nielsen and Byron Jennings. And every night it was just like a, it was just like a beautiful tennis match or a ballet with two people. It was thrilling. They really fulfilled that aspect of it. Uh, it was fast. It was a particularly kind of, it moved along that the particular scene and it was had kind of like flirty, uh, 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 kind of under uh, subtext and it was uh, very sexy without being sexual and it was just brilliant it was just it was just it was just executed so well uh and that was really fun to watch that was really special. so something that you did around this time was tour as the wizard and wicked which you'd mentioned earlier uh -huh. you did it in two different tours i believe so what was it one was a tour and one was a sit down. I did a, a, the national tour. There oh. were two tours out. I was in the like the big tour. And then there was a second tour that didn't have quite the big set pieces that ours had. It played smaller theaters. I did the big one for nine, nine months. I think I played 13 cities. It was very difficult for me because I parachuted in, as they say. I didn't work with the cast from the very beginning and I didn't know anybody. And it was really difficult for me to mm -hmm. kind of get integrated into the cast, but needed to do it, went on the road. Uh, but then I, then I met people and people saw that I was okay to talk to. And um, so I did that. And then I said, I'm done with it even though I enjoyed doing it. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, 19 minutes on stage. I don't know why I remember that. It's not a big part, but that's not that important, but it's a fun part and you get to sing and you get to, it's really kind of being part of this big show that people love. And then I said, I wasn't going to do it again. And then I needed to do it again. I wasn't working and it came up again and I did it in San Francisco for seven months. Yeah. So when you did the tour, were audiences in every state sort of receptive to it? Extremely. This was like 10 years, no, 2008 and nine. So 12 and 11 years, 11 and 12 years ago. It was, it may have been for some of these cities the first time it ever came through. I mean, now I'm sure. It's still on the road. I think there's a road company. No, there may not be, but yes, there is. Yes, because I know that I know some people involved in it. So there is still, but I think it may have been some of the cities were the first time that it came through and people were really looking forward to it. They didn't, they couldn't get it to New York for one reason or another. And it was the first time they were seeing it and, or they were returning maybe from having seen it <clears throat> in New York, but always packed and always great audiences, always. It just was very popular at that time. It's still popular, but popular. And it's, you know, it's, uh, I did, a, actually I did 
maybe the first or second read workshop of it. Oh, I played the wizard. Joe Mantello, my friend, brought me in. And then when they did the, you know, when they did the original production, they went with a name. I don't know if I was considered. They went with Robert Morse, and then he didn't end up, for some reason or another, he didn't end up doing it. Uh, Joel Gray, your friend Joel Gray did it. And um, so I didn't do it. I never thought I'd do it. But it came up, and I didn't have to audition, which is always fun, because auditions are not my friends all the time. But I did it, and I had a great time. I worked with some wonderful, oh, my God, Carmen Cusack. You know who Carmen is? Bright star. She was Alphaba. She was fantastic. Katie Rose Clark, fantastic. I work with Alma Cuervo. I work with Patty Duke. Did you know who Patty Duke was? Yeah, yeah. She's since passed away. I loved her very deeply. I did it with her in San Francisco. And I made some really nice friends. I mean, mostly it's young people. Yeah. Um, mostly. So it was difficult to integrate. But once I did, everybody was great. And it's 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 just nice to be in a show when whether or not somebody thinks it's good or not you know the reviews of the critics were mixed with wicked and that show always i always felt people were truly 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 swept away it's certainly not my favorite musical but it's it has its really strong charms and i think for young women maybe even young men adolescent <clears throat> boys and uh, girls uh it's has a very powerful message so i was glad to be part of it and then in san francisco my brother lives across the bay in oakland and that was great to see my brother all the time so another play that you did i think around this time which you mentioned before was the odd couple so uh -huh. what was it like to work with nathan lane and matthew broderick coming right off their giant success with the producers Uh, it was, uh, Nathan I'd known since I met Nathan when he was 15, oh. 17. His name was Joe Lane. I knew Nathan, I don't know, almost 50 years. Wow. A girlfriend of mine from college left New York. Well, she wasn't my girlfriend, but I wanted her to be. And she was doing a review in New Jersey of, it was, they played high schools. It was called Jers. They played, they do little sketches about the history of New Jersey and they'd sing. And she said, you got to come and see this. There's this guy, Joe Lane, he's brilliant. And I went to see her at some school in New Jersey and there was this young guy and it was Nathan, but he was Joe Lane. So I met him then. And had we worked before? We'd done a bunch of stuff together. Uh, so there's Nathan. I didn't know Matthew. It was, uh, again, Neil Simon, great play. Uh, it was, uh, it had some difficulties. It wasn't quite as good as it has been in the past. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm gonna talk about that one. Okay. I don't wanna talk about it, but I've made a great friend in Brad Garrett. But 
it just didn't it didn't work so well because of just didn't work as well as the producers yeah so i want to ask you the same question that i asked about sheldon harnick and jerry bach which is was neil simon involved in it at all he would come around but he did not again if it's not an original play they're just not encouraged to come it's not like they're going to do rewrites i think he'd drop in i think he was okay with it i remember him writing me a really nice note that made a lot to me i got the okay from neil simon that's i mean neil simon some of his shows there's nothing funnier yeah when i did the sunshine boys i just just it's just a gift yeah. another gift and the and the and the scenes that i was in in uh the uh the odd couple that was a gift it's pretty if you if you just if you do it i'm not saying right or wrong but you're gonna get some you're gonna get some very satisfying laughs yeah and there is something very satisfying to get good big laughs because he's he's created it's because of him he wrote he wrote these lines that elicit tremendous laughter yeah. and if you can execute it i'm sure it makes him happy so you were mentioning bob fossey and joe mantello but who have been some of your other favorite directors to work with oh, see rob uh, michael blakemore yeah I enjoy Scott Ellis. We have a good time. So I like all directors, some more than others. Howard Ashman. Yeah. So you also appeared in the 2013 Breakfast at Tiffany's revival on Broadway. So what was it like to be involved in that? That was not good. That was lots of problems. A lot of people that had never done. I think the producer's wife wanted to see it staged. There's some things that just need to be left alone. The movie Breakfast at Tiffany's is an iconic film. I don't love that film, but it's 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 it is what it is. It just should be left alone. It didn't need to be a play. I had I I was asked to do a play called geez i can't remember the name but with nathan uh nathan i can't remember the name of it but i chose because i had a really good monologue just a monologue in the beginning of the show i played uh holly go lightly's is that her name holly yeah, yeah. holly go lightly's agent oh. and uh i did it with uh um, uh, the Khaleesi. What's her uh, real name? Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark. Lovely, lovely girl, woman. Uh, but it just didn't come together. The director, there was just the elements did not coalesce. And again, I think the movie, people have such strong expectations that there is no possibility that it can be fulfilled. And it was it was very poorly received extremely poorly received 
and it was um oh the nance did you hear of the nance oh yes yes with nathan i chose breakfast at tiffany's because of this the nance i would have played multiple roles a lot of running around it would have probably been fun i saw it i liked it but i loved this monologue i loved it a lot and it was really worth it for me to do it and i didn't think about anything but that maybe that was a mistake but uh it was not a it was not one of my favorite experiences though i liked uh, a lot of people on it so you were sort of working with a lot of rising stars on that show you were mentioning emilia clark yeah. so how do you sort of notice a difference between the way that people like that work and then the way that some of the veteran actors that you had the chance to work with as well Amelia was a, a, a little raw and uh, needed needed a, a little more. She was playing a difficult character, which I think she fulfilled ultimately, uh, but it was hard for her. And uh, I remember um, the costume designer uh, made beautiful costumes, but uh, I think Amelia had like 23 costume changes and uh, the, the costume designer, I believe never had done a play before. So they didn't build, they didn't build the costumes for quick changes. So those kind of issues, there were a lot of people that hadn't done plays. Yeah. So it was, it, it, it just the pieces, there were so many pieces that needed to come together, but Amelia worked her tush off and what's his name? Uh, Corey, Corey Michael Smith. It was you the beginning know. of his career. He has not stopped working, um, mostly in films and TV. Um, who else was in it? Again, uh, lots of nice people, but it just was a mess, I have to say. And I remember that I went to one of those chat places, uh, Broadway chat, and oh, people yeah. were killing it killing it they were destroying it they hated it and i felt very protective of it and i took a a, a phony name i didn't want to like i'm in the cast i'm not gonna like write <laughs> yeah you know? so i took the name i think cheesehead or something <laughs> and i said you know these people are working their butts off and just because you don't like it and it doesn't particularly work doesn't mean you have to be so so cruel and then I remember one guy wrote me back, listen, cheesy. <laughs> and I don't even remember what he said. But for years, the guy would see me on the street and go, listen, cheesy. <laughs> but I, I tried to, def I defended it because people, everybody was working really hard, but it was like everybody was working on a different play, if you know what I mean. And it just didn't come together. But I love my monologue. If you are working on a show that does not run as long a time, do you try to sort of stay above getting disappointed about it? Or do you usually find yourself getting disappointed by it? I've been disappointed sometimes. I, I, again, this ambivalent thing about reviews, I think thought shows were wonderful and actually knew that they were. <laughs> and then, the critics don't like it and I get very protective and I get disappointed that the show does not get the, what I think it deserves. And that's, again, somebody's opinion. 
they're entitled to their opinion. So it's a very tricky thing, but um, I can't think of specific shows that I've been in that didn't get what I thought was their due, but there's been shows, usually a show, if I, if I know that it's got some problems or I feel that it has some problems and it gets kind of not strong notices or response from the public, there's usually a reason, there's often a yeah. reason. So you have worked twice at Encores in Do Re Mi and in Face the Music. So, so what is the experience like of doing a show there? Fast. And um, uh, what did I do? Do Re Mi. That was a long time ago. Did you know what year it was? Do you have what year it was? I think it was like 99 or so, something like that. So that's like 21 years ago. I just remember having a really good time because Nathan was in it and I think Louis Stadlin and uh, Randy Graff and that was just fun. And that one, I didn't have a, a lot of responsibility. So I was not as panicked because it's fast, it's yeah. fast. And then, oh no, I did three of them, I think. What did you say the other one was? Face the music. And I did little me. <laughs> Uh, the, my my thing is that that one was fast. I had a I had a dance number. Josh Bergas, you 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 interviewed. How do you pronounce it? Bergas, I think. Bergas. I'm sure you know how to pronounce it more than I, but I only called him Josh. So uh, that one, they're fast, and you got to be fast. And I'm not that fast, but um, so my work is like eh, it's okay. It's okay. I like. I don't know if you know if I di I directed a movie. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you. Okay, well, there's a line in fooled him again. Um, so sometimes I, I can get away with that a little, but they're too fast for me. And now I, I, I don't know what would have to come around for me to do another one. They're just fast, but yeah. fun because everybody's like hyped up and the energy is very... Uh, the, the energy is is great and there's usually lots of great dancing and I like that. I like to watch great dancing and uh, they have full orchestra, which is always a gift. Yeah. So pretending that you had the amount of time that you would want to have to work on a production, is there another sort of rare show that you would want to be in there? Well, there's one show that I never got to do and it may be too late, and they're not going to do it at Encores, but it's a Fiddler. I've never been in Fiddler on the Roof, and I'm a, I'm a big-time Jew. So, um, and I know lots of men that have played Tevye that are named, you know, McGillicuddy. They're not even Jewish, and they never asked me to do it, and that it doesn't hurt me, but it it's my, it's, it's not a huge disappointment, but I would have liked to have so if they ever do it anywhere at an encores and they doing it older, they I, I, I'm, I'm saying this for everybody to hear, please give me a thought. That, that's all. Yeah. That's the one that kind of got away, but uh, it's the way it goes. So you starred in Holiday Inn on Broadway, which I was lucky enough to see you in. What Did was you say starred? I didn't star in that. Well. A Holiday Inn? Uh, Holiday Inn was a mixed bag for me because I really liked my part. It was really fun, but I was the only person, and I'm not 
exaggerating in the show, and I don't feel like, oh, poor me, um, that didn't get us to sing. I did not even have a line of a song. And being in a musical and not being able to sing was very frustrating. And I was, I, I actually got cast. There, I had a song. I got cast about a couple days, I don't know, after I got cast, they called me and they said, the song that you were supposed to have has been cut. So you will not have a song in the show. And I probably shouldn't have done it because it was very frustrating. I'm going to say that if I'm in a musical, I got to have some singing. So, uh, but, and I like doing it, but I didn't like it as much. I liked what I got to do and I liked, I had a really great people in it. Corbin Blue, I loved him. And, um, and other people. Um, and my film, No Pay Nudity, uh, happened to be premiering in Los Angeles during the run. And then it was going to play other places. And I wanted to be at the opening. And I didn't want to like just take a day off, two days, rush back. And I somehow got in my contract that I could leave. And I left the show early. Yeah. And I didn't really regret it. Uh, you often I do. Uh, if I would, I mean, leaving that early, but I had to be, I had to attend to my film. And that's what I want to ask you about next. I want to make sure that we talk about no pay nudity. So, how did you get the idea for this film? Well, the Actors Equity is our union. And there used to be, it's not really, it doesn't exist the way it used to. There's the, the Equity Lounge. Did you happen to watch the film? So um, the Equity Lounge is where people used to hang out, actors. Uh, often people without agents, they'd have auditions there and they'd have open calls there and people would just hang out with their friends. And uh, I would stop by there um, if I was in Midtown and I had to take a, 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 a you know, I, if I had to use the men's room, uh, you know, I'm in Midtown I got, and I'm living in um, either Connecticut or Brooklyn and I went there and I'd see people there and there were these lots of characters. I got to say a lot of characters, a woman with a poodle and a guy and I'm ascot and <laughs> I'd go and, and then there was this period I'd see these people and then there was a period where I wasn't there for like 10 or 12 years and I went back and they were still there. <laughs> the same people yeah. in the same grouping, kibitzing with each other, the same people, the woman, I don't, it was like a dog that never died. She had the same poodle or maybe the poodle's children. And I went, there, there's a movie here. So I wrote a movie that took place a lot of it in the lounge and um, about an actor of a certain age in his sixties, whose career is had a career, not a great career, but made a lot of bad choices and hung out with his buddies in the lounge. The, the actors being uh, Gabriel Byrne played the lead and uh, Francis Conroy, Boyd Gaines, my friend, old friend Boyd Gaines and Nathan Lane. 
and I had originally written it perhaps with my with my friend. We co-wrote it. We were going to co-direct it, and I was going to play the lead. Well, that I don't remember which came first, but I realized a if I'm directing a movie and being in it, ridiculous, I'm just not a first time. Uh, being a first time director and being in it. It just would be like way too much. And also I would have never got financing unless I got a name and Gabriel was a name and that's how we got some of our financing. And then as it turned out, my, uh, we didn't co-direct it. And the young man that I wrote it with, who's also in the film, Ethan Sandler, he, he got the screen credit and I directed it. And uh, <clears throat> I directed it. I think we, we had a 24 day shoot. It was thrilling and also harrowing and hard and great and the movie turned out okay and um there was some it was it was one of the most exciting things i've ever done and one of the most difficult painful things i've ever done uh and uh, a lot of it is really good the acting is amazing i think nathan i think it's the best thing he's ever done on film he may disagree, but I know he feels really good about it. Gabriel, everybody's great. Everybody is great in it. My wife's in it. I'm in it. The guy that wrote it, Ethan Sandler's in it. My dog's in it. My daughter's in it. <laughs> and it's, uh, I'm really happy I got to make it. I have another film that I would like to make, but I can't seem to get financing. It's called, well, it has different names. We've never figured a name. No pay nudity was, that's a reference to when we used to, when I was young there, I think, I mean, of course I know it still exists backstage. There was backstage and there was another publication called Leo Scholl's uh, show business. And on Thursdays, you'd go to a newsstand and you'd pick them both up if you didn't have an agent and you, they'd have auditions for non-union shows, the occasional union show. And when I was young, you know, it was the days of hair and downtown stuff. And there would, uh, there'd be like uh, something that said, no pay, nudity required. So that's where that came from. Not only were you not getting paid, but you had to be naked. So that's like, oh my God, they're not paying me and I have to be naked. Well, well it's not like I ever auditioned for anything where yeah. you had to be naked because that was just not going to happen. But anyhow, that's where the title came from. And uh <clears throat> the producers hated the title. They thought it would keep oh. people from going to the movie. But the New York Times actually said it was the best titled film of the year. So that was that was fun. And um, and uh, it it was just I'm really happy I made it. And uh, so um, considering how much theater you've done did you ever think of it as a play or was it always a movie no never never it couldn't be a play no always a movie and then as i said my first love was movies yeah. so i've never directed a play have i directed a play i've directed a couple little things at the 52nd street project that's working with young uh, people that live in the community with professional actors it's very special <clears throat> and uh, but I've never directed a play I don't think uh, I'd like to and maybe I will 
but uh, I did feel like I could direct a film. I kind of knew what I was doing. Thank God I surrounded myself with really people that really knew what they were doing. But I, I knew how to talk to actors and that came in handy a few times. Most of the time, <clears throat> excuse me, I cast it well enough that I didn't really have to give too many notes, maybe two. Yeah. And it came out okay. Not perfect, but pretty good. So 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, <laughs> so the last thing I want to ask you about is your last Broadway show to date, which was Waitress. So how did you go into that? How did you come to? Jeez, did I have to audition for that? Yeah, I guess I did. I don't know. Somebody was leaving and uh, they wanted me to do it. And I auditioned and... Uh, I knew somebody involved that wrote the book, which was helpful. Brief rehearsal period. It took a while for me to find my footing. But once I did, I loved doing that show. It was a really lovely role. And it's a beautiful show. And I got to do it with Sarah Bareilles for a while. I only did it for three months. Um, and uh, I was... I really, once I, again, once I found my footing, because I think I had six days of rehearsal, which was fast. Um, I found my footing and I loved it. The first couple weeks, literally, I was making up lyrics to my song. And Sarah Barillas was, she, she actually told me she was impressed because they were always, <clears throat> they were made up, but they were never, they were always in time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't even believe that I did it. I would make stuff up, but it was never, it was just enough syllables and words and it made sense. And I don't know where that came from, but I stopped making them up once I, it just wasn't enough time. Yeah. So but I loved, I loved doing it. And I was disappointed when uh, I, they, they, they didn't ask me to stay. So my last, my very last question for you is a two-part question. What do I want to be when I grow up? I'm kidding. So first, how have you sort of been continuing to do theater doing, during quarantine? And then what kind of theater would you like to do after quarantine? Uh, during quarantine, I've done some readings, just, just privately that somebody say, let's do a Zoom reading. I, uh, let's see, uh, a friend wrote a piece and directed it called uh, Any Song uh, that I'll send you. Uh, and we worked on that for, we did that, I don't know, we did, worked on that for like three months. It's oh. like 16, 16 minutes long. It's a Zoom piece. <clears throat> and I did another reading of another um, uh, new play a couple weeks ago called What Else? I did that with Mark Lynn Baker. And that was really fun and a wonderful play. And uh, somebody's interested in turning it into a film, which is oh. really exciting. And uh, maybe in the spring. And uh, what else have I done? podcasts this is one of the most fun things i've done and um i don't know what i'm going to do next 
but um, had the odd audition for real jobs. I mean, not for plays, of course, but uh, they're doing films and TV shows <clears throat> carefully, I hope. And uh, so something will come up, I'm sure. I hope, not I'm sure, but I hope. And what do I hope to do when the, when the pandemic is over and people go back to the theater? continue working. I don't have anything specific in, in mind. Uh, this, this reading of Moon for the Misbegotten, if my friend can find a theater for it and she doesn't use me, we won't be friends anymore. No, I hope to do that. I would love it if we could do that. Uh, I, as I said, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. We're going to go back uh, sometime uh, after the first of the year and uh, hopefully people will be I don't know when people are gonna, I just don't know when this is all gonna be resolved I, I I how would I know but I hope soon and uh <clears throat> you know we got some problems with you know who and we're gonna get through this and there will be theater again I'm not exactly sure when people are gonna feel comfortable but uh if I don't do a Broadway show again I'm fine with that I mean, I'd love to, it's fun. Although, you know, getting to Times Square is not, not I, 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 I hope I, I hope I continue to work for, for another 10 years or so. Um, um, I still love it, I really do. I think I like it, love it more than I ever have. Or as much, I'm really, I it's because I miss it. Maybe that, why I'm so like I miss it so much that it's I feel like I love it more than I ever have but I always I always enjoy it unless it's I, I've been in a few things that have been really unpleasant but usually there's something wonderful to take from everything that I've ever done do you want to thank you so much for sharing your stories with us and listeners thank you for tuning in and remember to come back on new year's day when we are joined by a legendary star of stage and screen who will have to remain a surprise guest until then happy holidays and remember to come back on friday <laughs>